0: listening to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast and I am your host Ryan Gable this is the Fringe FM the Fringe.fm is the network website if you'd like to contact us at the Secret Teachings you can email rdgable at yahoo.com that's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings and visit our website where you'll find our full show archive, my books, top news, and more at www.thesecretteachings.info.info Tonight's show is a mix of topics. I want to start off tonight by briefly talking about What a biological weapon is. And then I want to take you through a little bit of history. And then I would like to look at the Marina Ambramovich ritual with Microsoft again. And also what some people are calling predictive programming pertaining to the 2012 London Olympics opening ceremony. Which really piqued my interest because back in 2012, and in fact when I wrote... My first book in 2012, it's no longer published, it was called The Grand Illusion. I had a massive section in that book on the 2012 Olympics and the bizarre ritual nature of that opening ceremony with the giant Voldemort-like, demonic, devil-like, Emperor Palpatine, magic wand-wielding, Aleister Crowley-style Lord of Chaos. Giant, they had in the middle of the ceremony with a bunch of children and young people in beds, supposed to be about the health services in the UK. Didn't really look like that to me. I don't know about all of you in the UK if you watched that or if you know what I'm talking about the opening ceremony. Did that make you feel good about your health services in the UK? that they they wheeled out that giant baby. It was a very bizarre ritual. So I want to talk about that a little bit tonight as well. But I keep thinking about the subject of biological weapons and how it's difficult to converse beyond talking points. And when you listen to radio, you'll know that a lot of radio shows, if they have, depending on what their show clock is, they'll have... A large segment, go to break, come back. A small segment, go to break, come back. Some shows do six, seven breaks an hour. Some shows just do a few breaks an hour. Some shows like this, because we don't have sponsors and advertisers, it's just us talking about our subscriptions and books and some other content. So we do half-hour breaks. But a lot of shows you have to come in from the break and you have to set up the previous subject because a lot of people are tuning in for the first time they're coming in they're going out so often we'll talk about the same subject throughout the whole show and and kind of recap it as the show goes on and progress forward with the story with the presentation and a lot of times if you just listen to a tiny segment you might get a a piece of what is being said but not the whole context and so i think it's really important to make this a very clear statement before we go any further tonight When you say a biological weapon, it means a biological agent that has been weaponized. Like the Soviet Union and the United States experimented with, for several reasons, two in particular, smallpox. One was to devise an even more deadly version of smallpox that presumably would be launched from the United States on the Soviet Union or from the Soviet Union on the United States. Knowing that both countries were scientifically working towards a more deadly version of smallpox, both countries also used that research to find ways to stop smallpox from spreading, to find ways to make it less deadly. And that is the entire argument of the death science research cult of developing these types of biological weapons, primarily because we want to develop them before our enemies develop them. You know, let's go fight them there before they come here and fight us. The same typical propaganda. But I'm not saying there are not parties in the world who would release biological agents. This has been done by the United States government on its own people, no different than how the Chinese government or any other government corrupt or call it whatever you want, experiment on their own people. Whether that's homeless people or people in hospitals or the military. So when you think about biological weapons, I keep thinking about what David Icke said the other night on Ground Zero. He said that if it was a biological weapon, why would they have to fix the numbers? And I just keep thinking of that, and all of these logical, in my opinion, arguments come to mind. One, because it's a biological weapon, should not imply that it was released intentionally. A biological weapon could have been released intentionally, it could have been accidental. I'm beginning to solidify, not totally, but solidify the perspective from investigation that this was accidentally released, and that it was a good crisis that was not Going to be wasted. And how the Chinese reacted in 2003 as a result of SARS, we've seen history repeat itself once again, where the Chinese, like they did in 2003, denied that the virus existed. And now that is one of the primary talking points of certain groups of people saying the virus doesn't exist. And they're getting information from doctors like Dr. Kaufman in New York State, here in the U.S., And others that are saying the virus doesn't exist. There's no proof the virus exists. And a lot of that research is also coming from initial reports out of China. How can we trust those initial reports is a question that keeps coming to my mind. It's a question that several people have proposed to me. How can we trust those initial reports? Now, as for the word bioweapon, it doesn't mean that it was released intentionally. So let's say something was being cooked in a laboratory and it accidentally got out because of laxed security procedures at a laboratory, BSL four or otherwise, and the virus spread, and it took the, the the Chinese government took advantage of the situation to stop protests, to prevent people further from communicating, shutting down phones, more tracking systems, more censorship, more control more physical violence, more mass murder and killing people who attempted to blow the whistle or simply didn't believe the Communist Party narrative. And some people have said, where are the bodies? Where are the dead bodies? I think it should be really, really obvious, but unfortunately, a lot of people think in a very rigid and narrow way, I would like to ask the same question because a lot of the people that are asking where are the bodies are the same ones using, and and I agree with you if you're using this statistic that 60-something thousand people die of the flu every year. If that's the case, I agree. Where are the bodies from the flu? Have you seen piles of bodies from the flu? No? Then shut up. That's not a valid argument to say where are the bodies at. It just is kind of a lazy argument. It, it's, it seems like it's an argument being made to try to reinforce a belief rather than actually investigate or keep an open mind to further investigation. So, where are the bodies from the flu? Where are the bodies from the millions of people that starve to death around the world? Where are those bodies? The other thing about biological weapons I want to make clear before we move on is if you have something like Ebola, and ebola is almost entirely a death sentence very few people survive ebola and a lot of people had ebola and there were bodies piled up in the street you'd see your bodies probably wouldn't be piled up in the street though because our services today are it, it's not the middle ages so you're not going to have bodies piled you might have body bags and mass graves but it's not going to look like what you would imagine or what you've seen in a movie about, about the bubonic plague or something like that. But if you had Ebola, Ebola kills a lot, but that means that Ebola doesn't necessarily stand as a strong virus, per se. Now, for humans, it's strong because it kills us in almost every case, but for the virus itself... It's not really that strong because it it would otherwise, or maybe it's too strong, let's say, because it would otherwise allow its host to live in order to proliferate. And Ebola is transmitted through bodily fluids. So there's another question. If you're wearing a mask or if you're wearing a plastic face shield, I've seen some people wearing, or you've got plastic dividers at the grocery store, that does nothing. Now, if it was Ebola and someone was coughing up blood, probably wouldn't be in the store anyway, and they coughed up and it hit the, the plastic sneeze guard like at a salad bar. That's different. This virus is supposedly aerosolized and airborne. A lot's been exaggerated and hyped up. So a little plastic divider does nothing. It's perception control and perception management. Now, what if a biological weapon released intentionally or otherwise didn't necessarily have the capacity or wasn't necessarily engineered to kill a lot of people, but to, as a side effect, if you will, or as an effect of the virus, Kill people that are already immunocompromised, people that are older. That's almost exclusively who's dying, people that are older and people that are already sick. But it's kind of like HIV. You don't die of HIV. You die from your immune system being compromised. And HIV gives you the autoimmune disease. It gives you AIDS. It gives you the syndrome. The degenerative disease. So HIV doesn't kill you, but it's what leads to AIDS and a compromised immune system that kills you. And the history of AIDS is that AIDS, or HIV rather, was manufactured at Fort Detrick and it was distributed through the smallpox vaccine primarily to ethnic minorities and homosexuals in places like Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, and others. And that's how HIV spread. And then you get AIDS, but you can have HIV and not know you have HIV and be perfectly fine. In other words, you're asymptomatic. Now, this particular COVID-19 isn't HIV, but it has the same genetic inserts of HIV. So it's kind of like... If you've ever built something, you've written something, and then you go back to it later, maybe you go back and you pull out an excerpt of something you've written in the past and you put it into something new that you're writing. It's kind of like that. You go back and you take a a virus from decades ago, engineered, and you splice part of it into another system. So we've been saying that since the very beginning, that COVID-19, it can deliver, HIV delivery system can deliver the virus And it sticks with you. I'm not saying that something else is coming, but it's just very similar in respect to HIV. And you're probably not going to see a lot of bodies, even if there were a lot of bodies. And a lot of people die of the flu. I agree. And you don't see a lot of bodies. Something can be accidentally released and still be a biological weapon. And something that is meant to proliferate without killing obviously can be asymptomatic like HIV and not kill you. That, I think, is an incredibly important factor to recognize in this discussion, rather than taking sides or subscribing to an ideology or signing up for one particular camp or another. Again, you don't see the bodies from the flu, 60-something thousand a year in the United States. You don't see the bodies from heart disease, about 1,600 a day on average. A biological weapon can also be accidentally released, and a biological weapon doesn't necessarily have to kill a bunch of people to be effective. It could just simply be the infectious rate that is the delivery system for something else. And it kind of reminds me of something I read from the 1950s. Some of you might have heard of this. It's called the Emergency Plans Book. And it was found inside of a declassified U.S. Air Force file at the National Archives once it was found and it was published by L. Douglas Keeney, the Defense Department acted to reclassify the report. And the report basically talked about a, this was in 1958, 1950s, it talked about a scenario called D-Day. Not the D-Day you're thinking of on the beach, but this was a hypothetical doomsday, a hypothetical death day, where the Soviet Union launches thermonuclear war with the United States, and the U.S. is incapable of defending itself, that there are hydrogen bombs that go off inside of the continental United States. Soviet submarines swarm the east and west coast. They launch nuclear missiles then ICBMs come from the Soviet Union and cripple the remaining sites. Lots of bombs go off target because of calculating errors. It hits the American countryside. Radiation spreads. Hundreds of millions of people are affected. And you—you you, obviously people would be affected around the world from that much radiation. But you, you would literally have tens of millions dead instantly. And tens of millions dying relatively soon after from radiation poisoning. And this report from 1958, it's a hypothetical scenario, a worst-case scenario, was that next, Soviet agents would use portable nuclear weapons inside the United States, strategically placed. And then after the attack, they estimated that, based on logic and, and, and reality, what would happen as a result of the fallout, and the decimation of, of, of the military for the most part. There's obviously no economy. There's no government because a hydrogen bomb wiped out Washington, D.C. And that day-to-day food production would just be nonexistent. Any food that was maybe around, if it wasn't protected, it would be contaminated. You, you wouldn't be able to consume it. There's no electricity, no refrigeration. There's no transportation. There's no water. There's no sewage. It's a landscape worse than Fallout, the video game. And then they theorized that what would happen next is, and this is from the report, along the coasts, bubonic plague, cholera, and typhus are expected to emerge, part of a Soviet biological warfare secondary attack. In other words, the Soviet Union would launch hydrogen bombs, fire nuclear missiles from submarines, launch ICBMs, and then set off strategically placed portable nuclear weapons in the United States, and then in the post-nuclear, thermonuclear assault, they would then launch biological warfare, presuming their troops, of course, are inoculated against these types of things. But they would launch biological attacks on the United States, to decimate the remaining population, everything from bubonic plague to cholera to typhus. It's a one-two punch, a worst-case scenario that the U.S. federal government was concerned with in the 1950s. Nuclear attack and then biological warfare. I find it a little bit disturbing... That in the last couple of days, there have been reports from the U.S. State Department, even the New York Times, The Guardian, and others, Wall Street Journal, that despite the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty, the CTBT, concluded in 1996, wasn't ratified, but between the United States and China, that there would not be nuclear testing. And the US State Department now is claiming that China has secretly conducted low yield underground nuclear testing. A report on arms control compliance doesn't offer any proof of this testing but points to circumstantial evidence and the activity at China's Lop Nur test site, which is in the northwest of the country, kind of up near what's near Xinjiang closer to Mongolia, nuclear testing. In other words, the Chinese, who are primarily responsible with the NIH and Dr. Fauci, Barack Obama, and a lot of others for developing these biological weapons, then China begins testing low-yield nuclear weapons. So it just kind of reminds me of the doomsday scenario from the 50s, except it's reversed. Rather than launching nuclear attacks, they launch biological attacks. And then, obviously you could theorize in a worst-case scenario, then they launch nuclear attacks from strategically placed positions in the United States. The good news is that's probably not going to happen probably not going to happen that there's going to be a full-scale nuclear war. I don't buy that. I don't believe that. But I do find the patterns of history interesting, including how in the 50s the Chinese accused the Americans of launching biological warfare attacks against the Chinese people in order to bring them together in lockstep hive mind behavior with a Ritual cleaning program that led to all the Chinese wearing masks, scrubbing down the sidewalks, collecting insects, and flying red communist flags if they met their quota. If they didn't, they had to fly black flags, and they were considered to be ineffective. You were not a good party member, a good citizen, a good person. You could have gotten other people sick. That was in 1952, Beijing launched that campaign, but within the year, the Ministry of Health, in a self-criticism addressed to Mao Zedong himself, accepted that the campaign in 1952 had been based on coercion and was wasteful. Wasteful, quote, as the report says, wasteful, quote, to the point where it prevented the masses from engaging in production and gave rise to their discontent. I'll read that again. Wasteful to the point where it prevented the masses from engaging in production and gave rise to their discontent. That's what's happening right now. We're unable to produce, communicate, congregate, and we are discontent with the current state of affairs. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More history tonight on the broadcast. www.thesecretteachings.info is the website You can subscribe for $35 right now, get access to the full show archive, and get a free copy of one of my books. It's free shipping in the United States. It's a little bit more internationally. But check it out. If you have any questions, email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay with us. There's more after this. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info thesecretteachings.info or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com
3: You are listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable
2: at yahoo.com If you're interested in all things that include the occult, or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food lifestyles and ingredients even those in your pet food with free solutions to better health then check out food philosophy all three of these books are available in soft cover or pdf at www.thesecretteachings.info that's where you can read reviews see pictures and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most
1: importantly, it supports you. Do you enjoy The Secret Teachings? You now have an opportunity to help inform others while supporting the program by purchasing our newly available t-shirts for men, women, or whatever else you identify as, even a purple penguin. Whether you spark conversation with the Secret Teachings t-shirt or you want to decorate your safe space with an awesome poster, we have what you want at thesecretteachings.info. For any questions, contact Ryan Gable by email at rdgable at yahoo.com.
4: Hi, Jeremy Scott here from Into the Paranormal, and I'm back live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash the secret teachings or our website, the secret teachings.info.
3: We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming five nights a week. Always remember the fringe FM is for you, the listener. And we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at the fringe.fm Call the station at 501-777-5631 or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM.
1: Gentlemen, thank you so much for the great work that you guys are doing. Uh, phenomenal show, for phenomenal interview, phenomenal questions. And uh, I'd be willing to come back at at any time and uh, explore other topics for discussion. So thank you for having me on today. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio from whatonearthishappening.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable.
0: I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings. Right here on the Fringe FM, five nights a week, Monday through Friday. Biological weapons come in a variety of forms. If you created a biological weapon to kill people, if you altered the smallpox virus to be even more deadly, or you were able to aerosolize and disperse something like Ebola, or you splice together the genes of several viruses and release them, those that were meant to kill people in a horrific way. That's the kind of biological weapon that a lot of us talk about, but there are other kinds of biological weapons. Consider HIV. HIV was supposedly developed at Fort Detrick. It was developed at Fort Detrick and then placed inside of the smallpox vaccine and distributed to minorities, blacks, gays, and others in major cities and locations with larger populations of homosexuals and minority communities like Los Angeles, New York, and San Francisco. That's the story of HIV spreading. But then there's AIDS. AIDS is what develops from the HIV virus. And the HIV virus, or HIV, the virus itself stays in the body indefinitely. The virus is what leads you to immunocompromisation it leads you to being immunocompromised. You develop AIDS. You die of something very simple. Your immune system is obliterated. Now, HIV, if that story in any capacity, in any way, is even slightly true. If HIV, and you can read some of the Senate reports on this, Bill Cooper talked about them in Behold a Pale Horse. If that's even kind of true, if HIV was manufactured, As an immunosuppressant virus released to target certain groups of people, then it's a biological weapon. But just because you have HIV, there are a lot of therapies that can ease the suffering today. Tens of thousands of people, though, don't know they have HIV. And a lot of people that have HIV don't necessarily feel any different than if they didn't have HIV, whether they're aware of it or they're not aware of it. You can be contagious with a lot of different diseases. You could have a fever and you could have sweats and be achy, and that's the onset of everything from the common cold, to influenza, to smallpox. And there's an incubation period different for each one of these illnesses. Some are four days, some are six days. Some are longer, up to 14 days, and every individual is a little bit different. Some people, though, don't get sick at all. Some people get very, very sick from simple things and some people don't get very sick from severe things but they're carriers of it and if their body and their cells bond with it and they carry it i'm not saying that they're bonding with it like an animal that carries that particular disease where there's a symbiotic relationship but if you kind of bond with it in a way you don't get as sick your immune system is able to suppress it you can still be asymptomatic and spread it so the idea that people are asymptomatic and that means that there is no coronavirus is, I think, a little bit of a misjudgment on some people's parts. And I mean a lot of people. I'm, I'm not just referring to the, the conversation with David Icke the other night. I'm just saying a lot of people feel that since you're asymptomatic, it must not exist. Well, that's just, in my opinion, that's ludicrous because a lot of other diseases, you're asymptomatic. You, you, you can have the flu and incubate it for up to a week and, and be contagious and spread it to other people you might not even get sick, though. You might have a strong enough immune system. So when people say that since there are very few symptoms or the symptoms are so vague, well, yeah, you're going to get those same kind of symptoms. I mean, you, you could have smallpox. You, you could have polio. You, you could have anything. And you're going to have similar symptoms because your body is going to react to an infection in the exact same way, whether it's minor, it's major, it's natural and organic, or it's synthetic and it's man-made, it's manufactured, it's a biological weapon. Whether it's meant to disperse or it's meant to develop a vaccine or some other kind of treatment in case an enemy deploys it, or in case you decide to deploy it yourself so you can inoculate your own troops against it. Presumably, the Soviets were going to do this according to the United States defense apparatus in the 50s or maybe into the 60s. But in 1958, a report was put together. A report was published. It was declassified and then reclassified. It's called the Emergency Plans Book. The Emergency Plans Book spoke of full-scale thermonuclear Assault by the Soviet Union, a hypothetical D-Day where hydrogen bombs were dropped, Soviet submarines launched missiles on the east and west coast of the United States, ICBMs by the dozens rained down all over the country. And because of obviously targeting errors, those bombs didn't always hit their targets, military installations, major metropolitan areas, and then portable nuclear weapons they suspected would be set off in the country and then in doing a post-attack analysis obviously food medicine electricity water sewage none of this would be intact so it would be a an absolute apocalyptic book of eli fallout the road wasteland probably far worse than anything depicted in any of those games or movies or books though A lot of those ideas came from these kinds of apocalyptic reports during the Cold War. The reason I bring that up is because you can determine, based on critical thinking, reason, logic, and patterns, what they're going to do. Because ultimately, in order to understand what a monster or a psychopath or a foreign entity, a foreign enemy or a domestic enemy is going to do, you have to get in their heads. You have to understand how they think. You know, police, investigators, they have to get in the mind of the psychopath, of the serial killer, of the rapist, the murderer, whoever it might be, whatever they're doing. So the defense apparatus and all the think tanks and the scientists and the professionals, if you will, they got together during the Cold War and made predictions that never came true, thankfully, and a lot of them were exaggerated to to shift money and resources, and they were political conflicts and things like that with the setting up of national laboratories. And I mean, there's even conflict over the development of the hydrogen bomb at the uh, Livermore facility. And uh, a lot of their tests were totally inadequate. Uh, Los Alamos, uh, you know, Edward Teller is the father of the hydrogen bomb. And a lot of people hold him and hold Oppenheimer as the father of the atomic bomb in the same light. But it was Oppenheimer stripped of his top secret clearance because he had a revelation, he decided, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to build the hydrogen bomb. I don't want to build something that will be strictly used There's a whole committee put together to, to murder people, to kill people. I, I, I'm not going to do that. So they accused him of being a being a communist spy, and they stripped him of his security clearance. And the powerful scientific and financial and military interests proceeded forward with the development of, of those bombs anyway. Point is, though, you know what your enemy is going to do because if you think like them, you would do the same thing to them. So I imagine that the defense apparatus in the United States in, during the Cold War in the 50s were thinking, okay, here's what the Soviets are going to do. They're going to launch hydrogen bomb attacks. They're going to launch ICBMs, portable nuclear weapons, firing missiles from subs, wiping out tens of millions of Americans instantly. And then the report said along the coasts, bubonic plague, cholera, and typhus are expected to emerge part of a Soviet biological warfare secondary attack. I imagine they knew that because if the U.S. were to attack the Soviet Union somewhere in the archives, and there might even be books written on it, I just haven't come across one, the Soviet Union was probably thinking the same thing. The U.S. was going to launch hydrogen bomb attacks, drop one on Moscow, ICBMs, portable nuclear bombs, be a little bit different with, with with submarines to to get those missiles in there like the east and west of the United States. But you launch these ICBMs, strategically placed nuclear weapons, and then you launch biological warfare attacks against the Russians. Now, again, obviously none of that happened. And some of this was probably exaggerated, but in a time of Cold War fear was the primary driving factor for all people fear is the primary driving factor for us today we're we're not really looking at nuclear bombs going off in huge cities or in the countryside we're not really thinking that there's a red menace because for the most part in the united states not that I would want to live in an environment, I mean, we already do, but live in an environment where it was constant propaganda about how evil the Chinese are and it's the Red Menace and communism. But rather than being cautious of a Soviet Union, the Chinese are arguably far worse in terms of their psychopathy than the the Soviets were, or at least as bad. So rather than having concern about it, we just tend to, we, we love China. They make a bunch of stuff that we use, and they can kill their own people. They can track their own people. Our companies build the systems of surveillance that are used there, and then coming to the United States, coming to a town near you, the Dragonfly Surveillance Censorship Program, and the cell phone that tracks you and listens and watches everything you do and all the applications and all the AI, and all of it has Chinese fingerprints all over it. Sideways fingerprints, you know, little little humor in their sideways fingerprints. Point is, very few of us have any idea what the Communist Party of China has done and continues to do. If you just had an understanding of what they've done in the last six months, you'd see that what's being proposed and unveiled in the United States is the exact same model. Maybe you've heard people in the past say that China is the blueprint for the quote-unquote New World Order. No, no, no. China is not the blueprint for the New World Order. China is the New World Order. It is countdown not to midnight, but to countdown to Chinatown. Because the whole planet is accepting the Chinatown CCP model and when in a conquering invading force you know you consider the sophistication of psychological warfare in the last 100 years and governments and militaries know that if you go and you 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 in, you invade a country and you start raping women and you kill children and you you just blow people up and you you steal resource. You do resources. You do everything overtly in front of people. There's going to be a natural resistance and rebellion to that. And you can call that resistance and rebellion acts of terrorism, but they're just attempting to refuse the invasion and the occupation. But if you do it strategically, by controlling press and medicine and economics and tongue in cheek, the political system, then you can overwhelm a country from the inside, corrupt it, and take control of it and That's why I don't see nuclear war as something that was ever really going to to happen in history. A lot of historians don't believe that nuclear war was ever really on the table between the Soviet Union and the United States. However, a lot of newspapers are reporting, and the U.S. State Department is saying that the Chinese, just like in the 50s, remember in the 50s, the emergency plans book, they were saying that the Russians were going to, the Soviets, the communists were going to launch hydrogen bombs, ICBMs, nuclear weapons, missiles, uh, portable nuclear bombs, wipe out most of the U.S. landscape, cities, infrastructure, military everything. And then they were going to deploy cholera, and they were going to deploy plague, and they were going to deploy typhus, presuming their troops were inoculated against this. And then once the plagues and the viruses and all the b- bacteria the plague and things like this, once it spread, cholera is a, a bacteria, once it spread, then the troops would come in and they would do the ground cleanup. Now today, it's like, Eerie, because it's almost as if the Chinese released a biological weapon, and then now they're testing nuclear weapons, potentially according to the U.S. State Department. Although the Chinese, of course, say that, no, we're not violating the CTBT, which was signed in 1996, a comprehensive test ban treaty. We're not doing that. Same China that said there's no SARS, there's no COVID-19, there's no virus just like all the alternative media talking points, there's no virus, there's no virus, there's no virus. I can tell you something right now. The Chinese Communist Party has not just infiltrated mainstream media and Hollywood. They've infiltrated alternative media. That's where you're getting these half-baked amateur hour conspiracy theories. And a lot of people are just eating them up. Now, of course whether it's nuclear or it's biological, you imagine that an apocalyptic scenario like this would would wipe out millions of people and it would be total and absolute chaos. But see, the reason that there wouldn't be total nuclear war, if some historians are right, that that was all just about perception control and economic control and many other things, because if you launched hydrogen bombs and ICBMs and you had portable nuclear weapons and missiles out of subs and you just basically launched hundreds of nuclear weapons the the fallout alone from that would kill most of the world's population or or it would affect all the world's population for that matter a few bombs detonated in the upper atmosphere has polluted the planet if you detonated hundreds of nuclear weapons all relatively the same time span that plus the debris that would be blasted into the atmosphere would cause a nuclear winter and and, and global starvation and famine so of course the soviets probably weren't going to do that and the americans ultimately knew that they just used the fear in government to obtain more control more power and i imagine the soviets probably had similar plans that the united states was going to attack us with nuclear weapons and then they're going to release biological weapons on us as well and then send in ground troops to clean everything up and they had people in government that were saying the same thing for money and for political power. But if you release a biological weapon, and that biological weapon is man-made, hence biological weapon, but biological weapon doesn't mean that it has to be released intentionally. It could leak out of a laboratory. When an experiment was being conducted to determine the feasibility of engineering these viruses together To create, at this point, we're not exactly sure, but to create something we know that is man made, that has a very strong delivery system, that's highly infectious. And when someone says to you, well, there are no bodies and we don't see hardly anybody at hospitals being sick, and the numbers are, of course, inflated because one, a good crisis is not being wasted. Two, you don't see the bodies from the thousands of people that die every day from heart disease or from cigarette smoking or from any other degenerative disease or diabetes you don't diabetes you don't see the the bodies piled up for that but if it's a biological weapon then think of hiv hiv if it's transmitted to you you don't know that you get it it's not like you get a fever and you're sick all the time until you die or it passes you can pass it on to other people. Now, it's not like it's aerosolized. You have to pass it on through sex and intimate contact. Like Ebola, it can be passed on through bodily fluids. Now, if it's aerosolized and it was distributed, then that that would be a different story. So if it's HIV that then gives you full-blown AIDS, that then when you get a cough, in a sense, you get a little sick, then you die because your immune system can't protect your body your immune system is basically obliterated it's an apocalyptic wasteland your body can't do anything to defend itself but if you have hiv which is arguably a biological weapon it doesn't kill a lot of people it just destroys their immune systems so consider that like the one-two punch that the united states felt that the soviet union might use against them and i imagine vice versa the soviet union imagine the united states might use that one-two punch thermonuclear, nuclear biological weapon attack against them. Imagine a biological weapon that was designed to infect people, to spread like a COVID-19, where like HIV, asymptomatic, for the most part, spreads to certain groups of people as those groups were targeted. And that's not even the genetic component of this where these things can be engineered to target groups of people or you based on your specific genetic code then COVID-19 highly infectious or otherwise could infect a lot of people and just be the first of two punches I'm not saying AIDS comes next I'm saying It's the first punch, and it's not another wave that we should be worried about and more manipulated statistics, but what comes after COVID-19? Biologically speaking, and with China testing low-yield, not high-yield, low-yield, very small tactical nuclear weapons, one wonders, is this not just a repeating of history, but a manifestation of historical fears? The one-two punch that the communists were going to potentially used against the United States maybe going to be used against the United States, not by the Russians, but by the Chinese. That is something I think that's very important to think about, but it's also critical to realize a bioweapon doesn't have to pile up bodies in the street. A bioweapon can be used for other things, and a biological weapon could be the one-two punch in something else that's potentially coming. I'm not saying that something is coming. I'm not I'm not the kind of person to do that. I'm not making a prediction. I'm saying look at the pattern and look at more than a couple of sides. I mean, we've got to look at more than one or two or three sides, especially with the alternative media essentially being infiltrated by the communist Chinese saying that the virus doesn't exist. It's the same line they used in 2003. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more coming up after this. www.thesecretteachings.info. That's the website. For a one-year subscription and a free book with free shipping in the United States, you can get my book, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, or The Technological Elixir. It's $35. You can donate through PayPal at rdgable at yahoo.com or use that same email, rdgable at yahoo.com, to email us if you have any questions, comments, concerns, etc. I'll be happy to have a conversation with you. And don't forget to find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings there's more of the secret teachings after this right here on the fringe fm don't go anywhere if you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home Check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info, thesecretteachings.info. Or find us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com.
3: You are listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email
2: rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in soft cover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, And even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM,
1: but most importantly, it supports you. Do you enjoy The Secret Teachings? You now have an opportunity to help inform others while supporting the program by purchasing our newly available t-shirts for men, women, or whatever else you identify as. Even a purple penguin. Whether you spark conversation with the Secret Teachings T-shirt or you want to decorate your safe space with an awesome poster, we have what you want at thesecretteachings.info. For any questions, contact Ryan Gable by email at rdgable at yahoo.com.
4: Hi, Jeremy Scott here from Into the Parabnormal, and I'm back live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash the secret teachings or our website, the secret teachings.info.
3: We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming five nights a week. Always remember the fringe FM is for you, the listener. And we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at the Call the station at 501-777-5631 or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM.
0: This is David Icke from DavidIcke.com, author of The Phantom Self and The Perception Deception, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable.
3: Hello, this is James McCanny, and I would like to influence you to listen to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. It's a show that brings you a tremendous amount of variety with insight uh, with a lot of great guests. And uh, visit my webpage,
2: jmccsci.com. appreciate your support. Hi, this is John Perkins. I'm the author of The New Confessions of an Economic Hitman, as well as a number of other books. My website is johnperkins.org, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable.
0: Gable, And this is The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM, Monday through Friday, the same time each night. The show will actually be shifting to an hour earlier. Some listeners already messaged me and said that they enjoyed hearing that. They're glad that the show will be airing a little bit earlier. It'll start Monday, the 27th of April, I believe. Rather than midnight to 2 a.m. Pacific U.S. time, it'll be 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Pacific time. That's 2 to 4 a.m. Eastern, and the Fringe should work it out. I'm going to talk to Joe Roop. so not only does the show air 11 to 1, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Pacific time, but another show, another episode of The Secret Teachings will air immediately after, so maybe an older show that you haven't heard will air immediately after, so... The show starts a little earlier, but then you're going to get four hours total of The Secret Teachings. Two of those hours, the first two hours, will be the brand new show Monday through Friday. So look for that next week, and don't forget that that time change will happen, meaning that if you flip the show on at, let's say, 2 a.m. Pacific time, you might hear an older episode, but it's a new show if you listen from 11 to 1. That's 11 to 1 Pacific time and 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. U.S eastern time, which maybe for some of you who don't know a little bit about radio, and I was a little bit surprised too, it's a good time slot, especially for what we talk about here on The Secret Teachings. In the first hour, we were talking about a little bit of history, one of my favorite subjects, and I mentioned this 1958 emergency plans book that the United States federal government, the defense agencies put together, it speculated on a hypothetical D-Day. A hypothetical D-Day. That would be carried out by the Soviet Union, which would launch hydrogen bombs, intercontinental ballistic missiles, and missiles from submarines, and tactical nuclear weapons at strategic locations in the United States. This would be followed up by a plague of cholera, typhus, and bubonic plague, being launched as part of a, quote, Soviet biological warfare secondary attack. Now we're learning a little bit more about COVID-19, which came from China, be it intentional or otherwise, as it came out of a laboratory. But we are also learning that China is now illegally testing low-yield underground nuclear weapons in a reverse of the U.S.-Soviet doomsday scenario. So rather than nuclear weapons and then biological attacks, it seems like there's been a biological assault, and now China is testing low-yield nuclear weapons. So not like massive Castle Bravo SAR bomba. You ever seen that SAR bomb? you haven't seen this, it's unbelievable. You thought Castle Bravo, the hydrogen bomb, was big? 15 megatons look at the Tsar bomb there's video of it the, the thing was so massive like when you you look at like hiroshima or nagasaki you've got the epicenter the ground zero the epicenter of that explosion is not that large in comparison with the shock wave and 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 the intense heat and the fallout of course which could go for hundreds of miles and travel all over the world but the the tsar bomb was so massive I think it's the it's considered the largest nuclear detonation ever. I mean this thing was just type it in TSAR SAR bomb. It was a massive massive bomb that was detonated by the Soviets. I think they said that the the epicenter, the ground zero, the 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 place that gets where the detonation occurs the most intense heat where things are basically just they they disappear. <laughs> it's just ultra ultra heat, the temperature and I think it's like they said the ground zero, the epicenter, would have been the would, would have been the size of Paris. That's how big this thing was when they tested it. The Tsar Bomba, most powerful nuclear weapon ever created, it was tested in 1961. I mean, this thing is like, it, it's just an it's incredible. It's terrifying. You go look that up. But if you were going to launch like nuclear attacks on another country, you know, the fear during the Cold War, which drove everything around the world, the fear of nuclear exchange by these two superpowers. A lot of historians have come out and said it's probably unlikely that either country would have launched those weapons because they would have destroyed, one, their own decadent lifestyles, you know, in terms of the officials that are making those decisions. They would have destroyed their own power. Unless they could find a way to destroy the other country first, but the general idea was, was mutually assured destruction. So it was unlikely that was ever going to happen. It was just like tension, but the reality of nuclear exchange was very low because even if you were to launch launch you know, a full-scale nuclear assault, even if the other country only got one or two you know uh, missiles off, or if they launched 50 of them let's say and the other country was able to stop you know half of those the 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 radiation alone would contaminate the land and it would kill you know animals and flora fauna it would kill everybody everything uh, or make things very sick and uninhabitable like chernobyl so if you at least if you wanted the land you're not going to launch a nuclear attack and, and you might launch a biological attack if you have the The vaccine for it, in a sense, you have the anecdote for it, the serum for it, you you can inoculate your troops against it, which the Soviets were essentially, according to the United States, planning to do by releasing things like cholera and typhus and plague. But that obviously never panned out, and it was probably a mirror of what the Soviet Union was thinking that the United States would do, and a mirror of what the United States would have done to the Soviet Union. I imagine that there are probably archives that show that the Soviet Union had similar emergency plan books. You don't think they had that? I mean, I've never read an actual book on it, but I imagine that it's in a history book somewhere. They felt that the U.S. was going to launch the same kind of attack on them. The point is, though, it was a one-two punch. They, they launched the, 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 the hydrogen bombs, the, the, the ICBMs, the, the missiles, and the strategic nuclear bombs across the country. They they obliterate everything, infrastructure's gone, medicine's gone, government's gone, it's an apocalyptic wasteland. Then they send in the soldiers like War of the Worlds to do the mop-up. But before they send those soldiers in, there's a second punch. The second punch is the launching of a biological warfare secondary attack which will affect those who have been affected by radiation and those who might have escaped those explosions the death the shockwave the the heat the radiation and this would wipe out the the, the remaining population now we're learning that china is illegally testing low yield underground nuclear weapons at least the state department says this is this is possible that this is happening but china's obviously denying it so it just seems kind of eerie that the chinese communists are doing what the U.S. government was afraid that the Soviets were doing, but the Chinese almost seem like they've prepared for all-out warfare. However, I just don't think that that's the case. I I I feel that the warfare is more sophisticated today. You don't have to drop nuclear bombs, and you don't have to drop or, you know, transport in or fire. You don't have to utilize arguably barbaric and invasive means of dominating your enemy. Now, the sophisticated methods of warfare are psychological. So you have, in the United States, people that range from conscious teenagers to conscious senior citizens, maybe not senior citizens in every case, but You have a wide range of people that they have no idea what the Communist Party of China does to control their people. And in fact, a lot of people love Communist China. A lot of the same people that are anti-fascist and anti-Hitler, yet... They like dressing up in SS-inspired Star Wars costumes because it's artsy. And they like dressing up in fancy clothing made by people like Hugo Voss because it's, you know, they're better than you. And they like, on average, you know, V-dubs, which was Hitler's car, the people's car. So they, they they like all these things, but they're they're opposed to Hitler and fascism. Yet we just don't talk about communist China. Why is that? I've made the argument about the history of China in the in the in twentieth century and Mao Zedong killing a hundred million people through a, a number of different means indiscriminately, and somehow the killing of six million Jews is considered more significant than the killing of anybody else let alone the hundreds of millions killed by communism in the 20th century not only is it okay and not only is it not only is it accepted but it's it's applauded like that's what we need to do to get to the next stage in human civilization and people say that china's the the blueprint for the new new world order i don't like using new world order but they're not the blueprint for it they are it they are the new world order if you want to use that terminology. So a lot of people are likewise taking the Communist Party line, I imagine some because they hate Trump, others because the alternative media is as infiltrated as the mainstream media with Chinese propaganda, and so they're taking the same CCP line, that COVID-19 is not real. The same argument the CCP used for SARS in 2003. And they're saying that the virus is asymptomatic and it's not that deadly. And as a result of this, it proves that it's not a biological weapon. It proves that it's not real at all. But there are lots of things that are able to make you sick and you're asymptomatic. I could carry influenza right now, some strain of it, not be sick, not ever get sick, but be contagious to others and make them sick. I'd be asymptomatic. Of course, the numbers have been inflated and we know all this. I don't want to get into the details of that because we've talked about it excessively here on the show, but I want you to know that I I understand the numbers are twisted and distorted and manipulated and I think that still factors into what I'm relating to you tonight because this is no longer about medicine or health. This is about perception management and perception control. And power-hungry police officers versus people that are local sheriffs who will not enforce gubernatorial orders— are facing opposition on both sides by those members of government that are more powerful than them, from the government to the White House. And so this has become a political battle. And while the United States wages a political battle against itself, each party against itself, it seems that some are being influenced more heavily and more primarily by communist China, which just denies... Like Area 51, that any abuse of power has ever even occurred in that country. A lot of people are saying it doesn't exist, which was the same line that the Communist Party used in 2003. And it was the same thing that the Communist Party did in 2019, November, when they were dismissing that there was anything going on. They knew in October, arguably September or earlier, maybe in August, and they didn't do anything about it. They knew and they didn't do anything. It didn't exist, it didn't happen, it's not real. It's just made up. There's a lot of reasons that they would do that and did do that. But think about something like a biological weapon that doesn't kill a lot of people. We think of biological weapons, we think, well, it's going to kill a bunch of people. Well, not necessarily. So if you wanted to preserve the land and 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 to to some degree you're not going to wage total n- nuclear war in another country, you'd probably set off... Small, low-yield nuclear weapons, strategically placed, maybe hit one or two major cities, in league with the economic collapse, in league with the pandemic, and a biological weapon doesn't necessarily kill everybody, with blood coming out of their pores like Ebola, or pus-filled sores, little pox pockets of of of, of pus smallpox that you get all over your body hiv is arguably a biological weapon which doesn't pile up bodies in the street like ebola and it's really the first stage before the development of aids you get the virus and you're asymptomatic so to say that there aren't many bodies and to say that people are asymptomatic and to say that the virus doesn't exist these all just seem like communist party talking points to me maybe i'm wrong but when you think of something like AIDS, AIDS is asymptomatic. You don't really feel that you have AIDS. A lot of people have AIDS. They don't have any idea that they have AIDS. They don't have any symptoms. And otherwise, you know, the 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 fever is the same symptom whether you have a a, a cold, the flu, or if you've got you know you've got you know what do they call it? I think it's loss of fever. Is it loss of fever? You know, or you've got the 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 the. I always think of Sunny in Philadelphia Philadelphia's like. You've got the H. You tested positive. You've got the HIV. Dr. Mantis toboggan. <laughs> but, you know, it's the same kind of thing because your body's trying to burn out the infection. So what we need to be able to do here, I think, is, is use history as, as a guidebook and as an oracle to, to figure out what's happening today. Biological warfare is not new. Biological warfare goes back to the time of of launching bodies over the, over the walls of cities and spreading, you know, the plague. And we know that the Japanese proposed a strategy in was it the 1940s, mid 19 early probably early mid 1940s called the cholera strategy. And this was captured in 1945. So it was early 1940s they came up with this cholera strategy which was a recommendation to spray bacterial solutions by airplane. This was back in the 40s. To spray biological weapons through aerosols. And the dropping of bombs containing bacteria, along with dropping infected insects, animals, and animal tissue, and leaving pathogenic organisms behind while retreating from battle to spread those biological contagions. That was part of the plan by the infamous Unit 731, they wanted to deploy this in places like India, Australia, New Guinea, and Burma. And they were going to drop biological weapons on the Americans at the Philippines and Sapin. It's back in the early 40s. Biological weapons were also the center of attention in 1952 in Beijing. And what the Beijing regime did was they scared the populace into believing that the Americans had launched full-scale biological war, from insects like flies and mosquitoes to spiders to dragonflies to centipedes to bedbugs to lice to fleas, all over Manchuria, North Korea, and other parts of the region, distributing large numbers of insects that were spreading disease, all kinds of disease, too. And this is historically where the compulsory And the mandatory and then also the choice of wearing masks came from in China, where people began a rigorous and obsessive cleaning process, militarized, of the whole Chinese infrastructure. Just clean everything, clean windows, clean floors, clean concrete, clean wires, clean anything to stop the spread of the disease, but it unified the country to move in lockstep in a hive mind in what communism ultimately is. And if you were a good communist party member and you met your quota of collecting insects or collecting the tails of rats, you got to hang a red flag. You got to fly the red flag and people would look at you and they would want the same thing because you were honored. But if you didn't collect the five insects or the rat's tails in places like Beijing, you flew a black flag and you would look down upon. You were not doing your part to stop the spread of this biological contaminant or numerous biological contaminants. That's what we're seeing today in the United States. And we've seen that in countries all over the world. The same kind of it's the same human psychology. Because people wear a mask and people clean everything. And then if you don't participate, you are making other people sick. The only thing that makes me sick is the fact that what we're seeing happen in the world today is the blueprint being constructed in real time all over the globe of the Chinese model. And that's why we are very close to Midnight as we count down to Chinatown. From the Dragonfly software and social credit scores to the control of entertainment to the control of politics and government and the infiltration of everything from Hollywood and media to the distribution of Highly contagious biological weapons that don't have to kill you, but deliver in a one-two punch a virus like an HIV that leads to AIDS. What is the AIDS of COVID-19? Is it a nuclear assault? Is it a more deadly pathogen? Or is it something else? Is it just economic collapse and ruin? I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere, but don't forget to sign up to the Archive. When you do that, it's $35 for a one-year subscription. You can access every show, download every show, stream every show. Timeless subjects and great guests when we have them. You also get a free copy of one of my books, but you can also buy the book separate. It supports the show You and The Fringe FM, my books, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. You can read reviews of those on the website, www.thesecretteachings.info. The email to contact us and the PayPal email, it's the same, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. More of The Secret Teachings right here on The Fringe FM. I'm Ryan Gable. When we come back from break. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info thesecretteachings.info or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com
3: You are listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com
2: If you're interested in all things that include the occult, or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food lifestyles and ingredients even those in your pet food with free solutions to better health then check out food philosophy all three of these books are available in soft cover or pdf at www.thesecretteachings.info that's where you can read reviews see pictures and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. This is The Secret
4: Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com Visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash the secret teachings or our website the secret teachings.info.
3: We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming five nights a week. Always remember the fringe FM is for you, the listener. And we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at the Call the station at 501 777 5631 or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM.
0: Hey, this is Charlie Robinson, the Octopus of Global Control author, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Ryan Gable, and you're listening to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on the Fringe FM, five nights a week, Monday through Friday. Tonight we're talking about the countdown to Chinatown, the blueprint and the model of global dominance and global control, and the historical context to biological warfare, nuclear warfare, And other things, the Chinese, according to the U.S. State Department, may have experimented with low-yield underground nuclear weapons, underground nuclear tests, but low-yield nuclear weapons. On top of potentially being responsible for the release of a biological agent, which is a reverse of the U.S.'s 1958 emergency plans book, which speculated on a hypothetical D-Day scenario carried out by the Soviet Union, which would launch hydrogen bombs, ICBMs, missiles from submarines, and tactical nukes at strategic locations throughout the country, followed by a biological attack through plague, cholera, and typhus, part of a Soviet biological warfare secondary attack. And A lot of people are saying now that COVID-19 doesn't exist, it's not real, which is the same response that the Communist Chinese had at the beginning of 2020, the end of 2019, and also back in 2003 with SARS. A lot of people are saying that biological weapons would kill a lot of people. It would just pile up bodies in the street. And although that might be true in some cases, if it was aerosolized, weaponized Ebola or smallpox, it's not necessarily the same with a biological agent, which might not be as strong because the intention is not to kill you, but set the stage for something worse. And it can be released accidentally, and bodies piled up in the street is anecdotal. You probably wouldn't see that if there was an outbreak of plague or if there was an outbreak of smallpox or something like that. You just probably wouldn't see that kind of thing because we have a system to take those bodies away and burn them and bury them. It's not going to be like a TV show or movie that you saw where bodies piled up unless something happened where you had a... 99% 99% infectious rate, 100% death rate, and there was, you know, everybody was dying. Yeah, then you'd see bodies piled up in the street. But just like with nuclear war, it's highly unlikely that another country would release something like that because it would decimate the planet. So sophisticated warfare today is done economically, it's done culturally, it's done socially, it's done through perception management, which is why I think a lot of people, including much of the alternative media, has been hijacked, like the mainstream media, by agents of the Communist Party in China. And there's a lot more to it than that. But on the theme of Chinatown, I think that sounds like it makes quite a bit of sense. Now, while this is all going down, and we've done shows on the medical mask of Zorro last week, We've done shows on the Gates to Oblivion on Monday this week. We've talked quite a bit about Bill Gates and his cohorts. We know about Microsoft, and on a show entitled The Ambramovich Paradox, we looked at the Microsoft ad with Marina Ambramovich, 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 where when people put on the HoloLens 2 developed by Microsoft, they see Marina Ambramovic and they kind of like laugh and smile and think it's funny in the advertisement. It was obviously a Microsoft HoloLens advertisement teaming up with Marina Abramovic. I broke all that down in the show and the nonsense of Pizzagate and how that is really psychological warfare and explained what Pizza gate really is and explained what spirit cooking is a real thing it's a version of the cake of light ceremony developed by alistair crowley to use oil and honey to feed the spirit spirit cooking is using blood the life force semen the life seed and milk breast milk the nurturing substance that that creates the artificial man the homunculus in greek myth it creates the golem it manifests life And now the video, which had been pulled down from YouTube, I imagine it was pulled down, one, because people uh, assaulted it and didn't like it and thought it was strange, where Marina Abramovic is the scarlet woman of Aleister Crowley manifesting inside of the magic circle. You couldn't make this up. Inside the magic circle in the video. She's in the red dress. She's the scarlet woman manifesting as Crowley's scarlet woman in the magic circle. Well, now the New York Times is running a story. The headline, Marina Abramovic just wants conspiracy theorists to let her be. She says, quote, I am not a Satanist. I'm an artist, not a Satanist, she said, after an online outcry prompted Microsoft to take down a video of her. It's not the first time she's faced the accusation. Well, I'm not going to say that Marina Ambramovich is a Satanist because I'm interested in the type of imagery that she utilizes. Just because you have candles and you have pentagrams doesn't mean that you're a Satanist. And a lot of Satanists might not even refer to themselves as Satanists. So consider the wordplay. When I see this woman, I see her as a conduit acting as a relay station for something else, something interdimensional the same interdimensional component that you can read in my book the technological elixir and you've probably heard people like Clyde Lewis on ground zero talk about this and we want to give a lot of love and support to Clyde Lewis too because they're having some trouble with the broadcasters over there uh, on ground zero with getting the show going financially so we're thinking about Clyde and Ron and all of them at ground zero Clyde's talked about this before, about how everything from the Hydron Collider to the Trinity nuclear bomb test or you know, alchemical experiments meant to summon the changeling, the homunculus, the little man, communicate with beings like the Vril Society or like you saw in Contact, something from another world, another dimension, that then channels through them as conduits the plans to build this dystopian despotic, autocratic uh, technocracy, this technocratic uh, cult built on and based on the promise of freedom and peace and joy and happiness and no more hard work. It's represented in sci-fi movies as extraterrestrials like in the Twilight Zone, coming to Earth, going to the United Nations, offering energy and technology, but the, the the book that they have to serve man is a cookbook. And so the cookbook that they have to serve man is how to control and how to manipulate and how to cook and how to prepare man for consumption. But they give you technology in exchange for the perception and the promise that things will be better in a utopia, but it doesn't happen. So these interdimensional beings, it seems, coming into our world, the Lovecraftian, Jordy Rose, quantum computer, all the drugs that people like Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg and these these technocratic losers are on trying to wire themselves to machines and hack into other dimensions to to get the plans to build this system and to build these more advanced computers and AI systems. This process is like those sci-fi movies because the sci-fi movies are based off of reality, including Star Trek was supposedly based off of information channeled as well. They offer you technology, but it's a scam. That's what we're being offered. You're being offered the HoloLens 2. You're being offered a virtual mixed reality. But as soon as you accept it, they tell you to get on the flying saucer. They're going to take you to their world. It's a utopian world, and they're going to serve you. Well, they're going to serve you for dinner. They're going to eat you. They're going to consume you. And that's related to the nature of literal and figurative vampirism. And like in Monsters Incorporated, the sucking of fear out of our world into canisters, primarily from children that are abused by these monsters, in order to fuel the monster world. It's the same thing in Stranger Things. Why do you think these shows and movies are so popular? Because at a core level, human beings know that's true. It might not be true in the sense that there's literally Solly and Mike Wazowski. It's not really John Goodman and Billy Crystal coming into your room. Monsters, metaphors, analogies, symbolism, parallels and comparisons. But at the end of... Monsters Incorporated. If you watched it, they say that laughter is ten times more powerful than screams. Joking, laughing, having a good time, being friendly, that's more powerful than all the darkness combined. A little laugh is more powerful than all the screams, all the fear that they had bottled up to power their world. So they started a new company in the movie where they used laughter and Billy Crystal goes in as Mike Wazowski and Mike Wazowski, and he tells jokes, or he does physical comedy, and the kids laugh, and then they take the laughter, and it, it bottles you know, more energy than the fear. So there's one of the things that you can do. Don't be afraid of these people. And people like Marina Abramovic, I don't necessarily see her, I said necessarily see her as an evil person. I've had... Like three people email me and say the same thing. Like they they, they see her as someone who's being used and someone how this whole discussion got started in this segment. I've been talking for several minutes about this, about other dimensions, is because I think she's a conduit for something. I mean, if you came into my studio and you looked around, I've got pictures of the studio. In fact, I I, I post another one on Facebook today. You could facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or Look at the uh, tab on the secretteachings.info that says "Over the Years." See some of the old studios. If you came in my studio, you'd see a Japanese imperialist battle flag. You'd see my 9/11 examine the evidence sticker. I had like six of those, but the other five got ripped off my car, so I decided to hang up the sixth one in studio. It was a long time ago that happened. I've got pictures of my my duck that I used to have. I've got the old secret teachings logo the new logo t-shirt logos the wheel of the year i've got the seal of solomon i've got the i want to believe poster i've got the braxton monster drawing from the uh grafton uh not grafton excuse me the the the, the braxton um green monster or the uh the flatwoods monster I've got all kinds of stuff hanging up in here. You could come in here and you could look around and say, oh, look, he's a cryptozoologist. Oh, look, he's a Nazi. He's got a swastika. Oh, look, he's a witch. He's got a pentagram. Oh, look, he's an Egyptian. He's got an ankh. Oh, look, he's Japanese. He's got a Japanese flag. Oh, look, he's German. He's got a German flag. That part's true. Oh, look, he's got pictures of UFOs. He must believe in space aliens. Like You could just look at everything and make that. So just because Marina Abramovic dresses weird and, she she knows the archetype. She knows the character. She knows what she's playing. It's a part. And she's a conduit. And she's probably also naive and being used in a lot of ways. So the New York Times, I got started on this whole thing because the New York Times has a story out about how Marina Brown just wants to be left alone by conspiracy theorists. And she says that she's, she's not a Satanist. Well, maybe she's not a Satanist, but the article starts out by talking about bramovich's past where she's doing things with blood and semen and stuff like that and and calls the Microsoft advertisement PR stuff it didn't look like PR stuff to me but what what do I know I actually watched it a lot of people that read this never watch it it just it's the perception management the article says miss arammovich's work can be violent sometimes bloody but the Microsoft video was more Innocuous. It was focused on the life in which museum-goers wear special headsets so that Miss Abramovich seems to appear before them. That's kind of true, New York Times, except you miss the part where she was the scarlet woman of Aleister Crowley manifesting inside of a magical circle like she was invoked and summoned, just like Elon Musk said, building AI is summoning the demon. And the whole entire presentation was about Microsoft's virtual reality system which will connect you to the computer more directly with the AI hive mind Neuralink system connected to satellite's full-spectrum dominance checkmate. The New York Times says the video was essentially some PR fluff for the tech company's role in the artwork, which is scheduled to be auctioned by Christie's in October. But in one corner of the Internet, it was seen as something else entirely, evidence of a Satanist conspiracy. Of course, the... uh, the, the the New York Times went on to blame like Infowars and others, just basically pointing out that Marina Abramovic has done some really disturbing stuff in the past. I mean, if you listen to our Marina Abramovic montage we made for the show, I mean, I, you know, I I should just play that because it's really, really, it's really good, and she just ta- she talks about being abused as a kid, and, and, and you know her, parent, her mom abused her, so it's the right environment for what some call walk-ins or possession. A lot of us are, are, are abused in, in this and other ways, and so I think that's why a lot of people have trouble dealing with reality, and they succumb to things that are very dark and evil because they don't know any better, and they feel comfortable in the darkness, except like Monsters, Inc., laughter is ten times more powerful than screams. Let me play that compilation for you from the Marina Abramovic show, which was called The Abramovic Paradox. Here it is.
2: I believe
1: that art of the future is art without objects. This is just pure transmission of energy.
0: It's a pure transmission of energy. Artist.
1: To me, mixed reality is this answer.
0: Where humans are obsolete, replaced by machines, art is conducted without objects, production is conducted without human beings. It's all machines.
1: Here, you actually can have the artist's presence in your collection.
0: The first thing that we had to figure out
2: was you had to feel that you were in the room with Marina. Watching
0: her manifest.
2: HoloLens 2 was created by people who quite clearly have an interest in the audience forgetting that they are using technology.
0: Forgetting they're using technology, slipping I into that system. Experience.
1: Really like you're facing your own ghost. There will be nothing, absolutely nothing. And what will happen? I don't know. And that's why I'm in such a panic. I just want to see what we can do with pure energy.
4: The Bramovich. Lady Gaga is her protege. Here they are practicing the so-called Abramovich method, explained as exercises to heighten awareness in the moment. Suspect? A bit emperor's new clothes? There are plenty who think that. In fact, often it was no clothes for an artist who's remained true to performance for more than four decades. Her parents argued violently with each other, and Abramovich says her
1: mother beat her.
0: Her mother Such beat her.
2: A huge, painful thing in my life and damaged me so much. I feel doing pain. And understand. This
0: is the acceptance of the artificial, the virtual, the mixed reality world and the confusion between what is real and what is not real. And as a result of that, human beings are being slowly made obsolete, like the obsolete man. And this is the reason it seems that people are being told that they are essential and others are non-essential. This is exactly what the Great Leap Forward was about in China, where certain groups of people were considered essential workers and others were not. The ones that were essential were assigned to jobs to work in collectives on communes, and the others that were not considered essential were, ch- were chosen and were taken and forced into ma- massive labor camps, In a lot of cases in the very, very desolate landscapes where people died of starvation and died of exposure. When they were forced to work for 18 hours a day or longer or a whole day, 24 hours, without any shoes or without any provisions. This is like the Great Leap Forward. And all the propaganda about a virus not existing is right out of the CCP because that's where SARS came from in communist China. That's where it originated. That's where it started. They said it didn't exist. Now people are saying, well, COVID 19 doesn't exist, it's not real. All these things, the, the masks, the mandatory masks and part, partial mandatory wearing of masks, the rigorous cleaning, the, 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 in essence, the hanging of red flags like they did in the 50s if you caught enough insects and if you went out and you got enough rat tails and gave them to the government and you said, look, I'm doing my part, and they said, you are doing your part, and other people need to do the same thing you're doing, and it's just social coercion. It's collective hive mind thinking. Anybody that steps out of line is ostracized from the community. They cannot purchase. They cannot sell. They cannot participate. And you know what the Ministry of Health in China said after that 1952 propaganda onslaught that the U.S. had launched biological weapons? They said that the whole campaign was based on coercion and had powerful they said the whole campaign was based on coercion and it was wasteful. Not only was it based on coercion, but it was wasteful, not just wasteful, wasteful to the point where, quote, it prevented the masses from engaging in production and gave rise to their discontent, end quote. It's not that that's one isolated element of history and and that's what really matters. It's just like you can see the patterns of history and you can see through the crystal ball of the history what is here and what is coming. The Chinese are testing low-yield nuclear weapons, reportedly. The U.S. was concerned about the Soviet Union launching hydrogen bombs and ICBMs and missiles from submarines and tactical nukes in the 50s, Followed up by a biological attack, plague, cholera, typhus, you name it. I imagine that the U.S. was predicting that because that's what they were planning to do to the Soviets. Although no one ultimately was going to launch those attacks because it would be total mutually assured destruction. And if it wasn't mutually assured destruction to both countries as a result of those attacks, it would be mutually assured destruction to the entire globe with all the fallout, the nuclear winter, the blocking out of the sun. So maybe small tactical nuclear devices strategically placed as part of a 1-2, not Soviet communist plot, but a Chinese communist plot. A bioweapon, punch one, and then a small nuclear detonation, or two, or three, or four, or five, punch two. Or maybe the biological weapon itself has a second punch. People say there's no bodies. Well, you don't see all the bodies piled up from the flu either. Or car wrecks or smoking deaths or heart disease a day. Thousands a day. And a biological weapon doesn't necessarily have to be intentionally released. A biological weapon can be accidentally released. Why would you inflate the numbers? Well, maybe they'd inflate the numbers because not everybody's involved in some grand conspiracy, although people take advantage of what's happening to advance their own personal agendas agendas financially or otherwise. A lot of people say, well, it doesn't kill as many people. Well, sure, but a biological weapon doesn't necessarily have to kill a bunch of people. HIV is arguably a biological weapon created at Fort Detrick and released through the smallpox vaccine to certain groups of people. Bodies don't pile up if you have HIV. I mean, even if you have Ebola, if you had plague, bodies aren't going to pile up like they were in the Middle Ages, and yet HIV is the first punch, the first stage before the development of the second punch, AIDS. And HIV is asymptomatic for the most part. Not for everybody, but for a lot of people, HIV is asymptomatic. Doesn't kill a lot of people. There aren't lots of bodies piled up. Biological weapon doesn't kill a lot of people. We need the context to this to really understand what's going on. And the solution to all of these problems is the rollout of the total global full-spectrum dominance from space to underground to above ground, air to water to land, surveillance, control, loudspeakers telling people to stand apart, don't walk close to other people, Please keep your social distance. You will be fined. You will be imprisoned. Propaganda, speakers, air raid, sirens playing in cities, fear and terror, just like the Cold War. Fear and terror is dictating more than anything to people in charge, people that think they're in charge, and people that are listening to those that are in charge and those that we think are in charge. Ultimately, people can make those decisions for themselves of what they're going to do, but there might be consequences, and that's why most of us, based on the logic and the law of consequences, we decide to acquiesce because it's easier, and we will lose more if we don't acquiesce. But the paradox is, you can acquiesce a little bit and lose a little bit, but you'll keep acquiescing, and you'll keep losing a little bit until there's nothing left. And then you've conditioned yourself to have acquiesced into a position where you are a full on slave to the system. The bringing in of a cashless society outright, not just experimental digital currencies, biometric, biostamp tattoos, and identifications with medical records, passports, and financial information, among other things, all funded by the 666. ID of Bill and Melinda Gates, a Bill Gates who more than anything represents the biblical Antichrist as the Antichrist has been portrayed at least. History is important, context is important, and stepping back and looking at things. A second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, etc. time is important. If we do not do that, we get lost in debates and discussions, which are necessary, but we get lost in trying to prove a point. But a debate should be two people conversing, trying to show other people, the other person or other people, a different perspective, not so you can change their mind, but so that they based on that new information, may adjust their perception. And that's the key word to all of this. This is perception management and perception control. That's what, from mainstream media to alternative media to Hollywood to Washington, D.C., not the blueprint for an NWO, but the NWO itself, the police state control grid, run by technocratic elitists like Bill Gates, is in control and infiltrates all of those various elements. That's why the alternative media is as infiltrated by Communist Party propaganda as any other media. A lot of people dismiss these thoughts because they say, well, it's just fear of communism, Well, you can call it whatever you want. It's not fear of anything, first of all. And it's not concern of communism. It's concern and warning for autocratic, despotic, technocratic, totalitarian, full-spectrum dominance, police state medical tyranny, drone surveillance, phone surveillance, entertainment perception control, Full-spectrum dominance. From north to south, west to east, south to north, east to west. Diagonally, up, down, middle, in between, everywhere. Everything that we're watching happen, playing out as if it was planned decades and decades before. And in many ways, it seems that it has been played out many years before planned out, many years before to be played out. Some are even pointing to the 2012 Olympics, suggesting that this has something to do with the COVID-19. If you look that up, I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying that a lot of people are talking about it. I don't have any thoughts really on that at the moment, but something to look up. point is perception control is the key. Controlling people's perceptions, what they think, etc. This is how you move masses of people in a hive mind, synchronistic manner. Such as countries like communist China. Controlling what people think to the point where they become automatons. Slated for extermination, replaced by machines, and those considered, who are also left alive, essential to the agenda and to the plan. And so we move the clock one minute closer to midnight. But it's not midnight that we're counting down to. And it's not really the Chinese Communist Party that's the blueprint for the New World Order. The countdown to midnight is the countdown to Chinatown. The whole world is Chinatown. We can hope it doesn't get that way. But first and foremost... Rather than focusing on truth, we need to focus on objective perspective because that leads us to understanding. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Stay safe, stay informed, subscribe to the archive, get one of my books for free. It's $35, www.thesecretteachings.info, rdgable at yahoo.com and facebook.com forward slash the secret Teachings. This is The Fringe FM. Don't go anywhere.
1: But no, I really appreciate being on your show and you ask great questions and have a dialogue and not every show does that. This is Linda Godfrey, author
2: of Monsters Among Us. My website is lindagodfrey.com, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable.